0: Bye. Everybody, how y'all doing? I'm Michael, joined by Alex as always. How's it going? And this is another episode of Fallen Through Plot Holes, a podcast about video game plot lines and how they have a tendency to go off the rails. And this is part three of four of our series about Shenmue, Yu Suzuki's grand epic that was published by Sega. Slightly responsible, according to some people, for basically sinking Sega's hopes and dreams in the hardware market. And uh, this episode is going to be dealing with the development of Shenmue 3, with the fourth episode talking about its plot. So if you want to learn about the entire Shenmue series, uh, you may want to start with part one. But if you're just here for, you know, everything weird that goes on with Shenmue 3, then you've come to the right place. Welcome. It's going to be great. Alex, how are you
1: feeling today? I'm feeling good. I'm I'm very excited for these two episodes.
0: Yeah, I... It's going to be a wild ride. I'm yeah. gonna just tell you that right now. Yeah. It, mostly because we're gonna be talking a lot about um, mobile phone games. Yeah. Yeah, really not exactly what I was expecting when we were gonna be talking about you know the grand epic that is Shenmue, but
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, it's um we're gonna be getting into a lot of incredibly strange things as we build the lead up of obviously the game that is Shenmue three. Because as as it turns out, when you have roughly about 18 years and more and more companies kind of counting out Yu Suzuki, things start to get a little bit more desperate as time goes on. And that leads to some really weird things that happen. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm really excited to talk about this too, especially since because like many Shenmue fans, we wanted Shenmue 3 so much. It was kind of like our white whale for the longest right. time that... When it eventually was announced and released, like it felt like the culmination of an incredibly long journey, a journey that we're going to be talking about today. Now, Alex, are you familiar with the development or just Shenmue 3 in general?
1: Um, I actually am fairly familiar with the development. It's been a while since I you know, went over it, but I, I've seen and read things about it before.
0: Nice. Nice. All right, then. Well, that some of this may sound a little bit familiar, but I bet you there's going to be a few things in here that are going to come out of left field. Probably, yeah. Yeah, because if nothing else, it came out of left field for me when I was like, oh, this happened? Oh, okay. Sure. That sounds like a bad idea, but all right. <laughs> so, yeah, let's let's get in here and, and talk about all that. But before I even begin, I, I do want to give another shout-out to ShenmuDojo.com. Mm-hmm. A website that has literally been around since the year 2000, and I literally <laughs> first visited on my Sega Dreamcast back in the day. Yeah. Back when the Sega Dreamcast was my only way of accessing the internet, because <laughs> I didn't have a computer.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Now, there are a bunch of crazies, and I say that with love, who are easily the largest repository of Shenmue knowledge that has ever existed, and honestly are going to be responsible for providing much of the information that is present in today's episode. Uh, literally they literally have a monthly podcast that is still going today that still is revealing just weird facts about Shenmue. And with you know, given that we're going to be talking about obscure Korean massively multiplayer online games today, mm-hmm. it's safe to say I literally could not have done this without them. So I, I, right. do, I do appreciate all the work that they have done. So when we last left off, Alex, mm-hmm. Yu Suzuki's epic Shenmue was released on the Sega Dreamcast in November of 2000, November 2000 in the United States to be specific just in time for a crucial holiday season for Sega it would def- it would decide if Sega was going to stay in the hardware business and well, uh, it did it didn't go hot No, no it didn't go great. <laughs> no, it did not. Shinbu itself was relatively successful in proportion mm-hmm. to how many Dreamcasts were out there selling yeah. 1.2 million copies over the course of its lifespan. But more critically, it didn't really move more Dreamcast off the store shelves. Right. And the following year, Sega would announce they were leaving the hardware business for good. But Alex, this doesn't mean that Shenmue as a series was dead. In fact, far from it. hmm More or less developed in tandem with the first Shenmue was its sequel, Shenmue 2. A game whose plot we've already gone over, but we're gonna just touch on its development just a hair here, because it's gonna kinda set up the next 19 years or so. Uh-huh. So... For those of you who don't remember, Shenmue 2 covered Ryo's continuing adventures in China and was slated to be, at least in some ways, a bigger and more impressive game than the original Shenmue. Uh, now, this is despite the fact that it's going to be made for, I would say, far less amount of money than the original Shenmue was. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of something that it was already using established technology that Shenmue kind of put forward. It's really more grander as far as like a story in the places that you visit. Right. Now, this game is going to come out for the sake of Dreamcast. But given that Sega is going to cancel production of the Dreamcast in 2001, it's only going to make its way to the Dreamcast in Japan and Europe. Now, the reason for this was simply because Sega of America didn't see a point in releasing a new game on a dead system. Uh Uh-huh. Which, fair. Yeah. This is honestly despite some efforts from AM2, the developers, to translate and localize the game for North America. This is something I actually learned over the course of researching this is that mm. there actually is a beta version of this translation. Huh. Yeah. Uh, it surfaced two years ago, actually. And it's definitely incomplete in the sense of like button prompts and whatnot are not right. properly translated and whatnot. But, and it's not like dubbed into English or anything like that. It's just mm-hmm. purely subbed. But still, it was like, oh, wow, this actually could have happened. I could have sold my supersonic capsule toys in <laughs> Hong Kong in Shenmue 2, and uh-huh. I had to play so many bad QTEs. Ugh. What? The things I missed. But regardless, it didn't come out, and it was probably the right decision. Now, while sales figures are going to vary for the Japanese and European versions, it appears that Shenmue 2 is going to sell somewhere around 100,000 copies. or hmm. roughly about a tenth of what the original Shenmue yeah. sold. Hmm. Now, granted... This was for a game released for a dead system whose inventory was rapidly be taking off store shelves. Yeah. So uh, if anything, this really wasn't as bad as it could be and maybe actually showed a little bit of promise. After all, if Shenmue did this well on the Dreamcast, maybe if they put it on a successful system, it would do really well. Mm hmm. Yep. All they had to do was find a perfect platform, Alex. Yeah, that's all you got to do. And soon after, Sega signed an exclusive deal with Microsoft to port Shenmue 2 to Microsoft's new console, the Xbox, in 2002.
1: Ah, uh, you mean the system that has an abysmal user base in Japan and whose Western user base is primarily more interested in Western-style games than Japanese-style games?
0: Oh, you know, yeah, just that little thing. Okay. Yeah, the console that sold, like, I think, 2 million consoles over the course of its lifespan in Japan. Yeah, that one. Yeah,
1: way. yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, we're
0: going to put this incredibly Japanese game on there. Yeah, yeah. no, it's going to yeah, be great.
1: Great. <sighs> so, as I understand it, the reason so many, like, little and otherwise kind of niche Japanese... Games ended up on the Xbox is because its hardware architecture actually closely resembles. I want to say the Naomi board, mm-hmm. yeah, the uh, Japanese arcade board that also is very similar in architecture. I believe to the Dreamcast,
0: it is practically one to one. There's there okay. is technically a slight difference, but it is practically one to one, which was by design
1: from Sega. Right, right. So while the demographics aren't really there, it is a very low effort port process mm-hmm. relatively speaking
0: indeed it is and um yeah it, it's even goes so far that uh, a lot of the um, underlying architecture of the dreamcast was actually built by microsoft mm. they do run a version of windows ce for instance on there oh right uh, and on top of that it even this closest even gets to the point that when Sega was pulling out the hardware market uh, the then president of Sega of Japan actually approached Bill Gates of Microsoft and talked about possibly making the Xbox backwards compatible with the Dreamcast. And
1: why didn't that happen?
0: Probably because it would just cost a little bit more money than it was worth. And <sighs> I think at that point, Microsoft was just like, why don't you just port your games over to us and just yeah, call it a day?
1: Yeah, I guess so. So,
0: yeah, it- it's Those are the discussions that eventually led to things like Jet Set Radio Future coming right. to the Dreamcast, not the Dreamcast, the Xbox or whatnot. Xbox, so. Yeah, yeah,
1: Panzer Dragoon Orta. Yeah. Just, it
0: it would have been super cool if it could play Dreamcast games. I would have been totally down with that. But
1: Yeah. Yeah. It also would have widely expanded the Xbox Live Services initial launch lineup.
0: Oh, yeah, because a lot of those games were online.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been
0: nice. It would have been nice. Oh, man. We could have the. I mean, this game wasn't. I don't believe this game was actually online. But we could have theoretically had an on like early online Marvel yeah. vs. Capcom two.
1: Yeah. Man. Or like console Quake.
0: Oh man, yeah, we could have. Ah oh, man. <laughs> was, it- was there a mouse and keyboard attachment for the X? There probably was. Probably,
1: I can't think of one. But
0: that was my favorite thing about Quake Three Arena for the for the Dreamcast that you yeah. could do that. Yep. And nobody else used that, and so you just yep. style on people. It was really Absolutely. really
1: great. But yeah,
0: so they went ahead and did this, right? Released on mm-hmm. the Xbox in 2002. And Alex, we kind of talked about this. The easy thing to do here would just do a straight port of Shenmue 2 and call it a day, right? Yep. But my God, Alex, someone at Sega other than Yu Suzuki must have really believed in this series because mm-hmm. they're going to go all out on this port. Not only is it going to be trans... They're going to translate the game into English, they're gonna dub it into English as well, right? Yeah. So all the voices are redone. Every character, and every character has unique voice and a unique voice actor, and all that stuff. Just like mm-hmm. the original Shenmue. Yeah. Uh They are going to update at least some of the graphics. Not all of them, but some. They are going to create a four-issue comic that's in- that's going to be included in game, explaining what happened <sighs> between Shenmue one and two.
1: Information you don't need to know. I no nope, guarantee but it. that 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 was what games especially xbox games they just loved their pack in comics they
0: really did that that was kind of a thing this generation and then the next as well yeah i remember when um mass effect came out for the playstation 3 well mass effect 2 and they're like what if we included an in-game comic so you could just make all the choices
1: (laughs) yeah yeah that that works (laughs) which is an interesting choice I remember when Halo 3 came out and everyone was like, what is happening at the start of this game? And they're like, read the not-packed-in comic. And I was like, no, it seems bad.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but what if they did include the comic in the game and then you had to use, you know, your Xbox controller to zoom in on panels? I still wouldn't have read it. I wouldn't have either because that's a terrible way to read comics. It's
1: awful. It was the worst. Absolutely
0: terrible. Absolutely terrible. So yeah, they're going to do that with this. They're also going to include an additional DVD called Shenmue, the movie, which was a collection of cutscenes from the first game and uh, for some reason was given a limited release in Japanese theaters.
1: Uh, okay.
0: Yeah, it's about 90 minutes long. Yeah. A, somebody on YouTube apparently found this inadequate and put in all the rest of the cutscenes and made it 4 hours and 30 minutes long. There you go. Which is very good. Yes. They even included a photo mode with filters and whatnot. Like, they really went all out with this. It's c- kind of crazy. Yeah. What do you know? They tried incredibly hard with Shinmu. Alex, you might be surprised that no one bought this version. I'm not, no. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. <laughs>
1: uh, to be fair, like, I'm trying to think what Sega game was successful on the Xbox. None of them! (laughs) Because there were a lot, and none of them sold, even the great ones.
0: No, they really didn't. Like, Jet Set Radio Futures sold roughly a similar amount to Shenmue 2, which is going to be 230,000 copies. Mm -hmm. So, like, yeah, it's not going to sell a whole lot. I think uh, Panzer
1: Dragoon also sold a similar amount. Yeah, not... Odogi and Odogi 2 definitely didn't chart that well. Gun Valkyrie was... Bad, but also didn't sell that well. Mm-mm. No, it did not. No, th- Fricking, this was a crazy Taxi Three. Was it a fully new Crazy Taxi game?
0: It was a fully new Crazy Taxi game that they made
1: for the Xbox. Yes. No one cared about Crazy Taxi in two thousand two, three. Not that version of Crazy Taxi, anyways. Nope.
0: Yeah, no, oh, nothing boy. did well for that. There's a reason nope. why Sega doesn't make original games anymore <laughs> that aren't Yakuza and Sonic. Yeah, yep this is this is the reason why they're now the persona and um total war publishers (laughs) yeah and the
1: vocaloid publishers
0: yeah which granted that has worked out very well yeah
1: no they're they're making the right moves from a business standpoint just Mm -hmm. stick with the franchises that you don't have to put effort into yep yep
0: uh it's it's the thing that makes me sad but also like yeah i can't blame you yeah so yeah once again, sold very little, especially bad when you consider that unlike the Dreamcast, the Xbox actually achieved some level of success
1: and mm-hmm.
0: that it actually achieved that success from pretty much day one. But like, yep. the Xbox actually had at that point the most successful console launch like ever. Like it right. literally pre-sold one and a half million units in North America mm-hmm. alone. Like it's it was crazy success successful and that like it immediately tailed off afterwards. But still, right. Of course, of its lifetime, 26 million consoles is nothing to sneeze at.
1: Yeah, no, it's it was a very successful console, and like that launch is especially crazy, given that it launched with Halo and Odd World was pretty okay, I guess.
0: Mm, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it was a. There wasn't a whole lot of games. There's a reason why uh, I think like forty percent of all console owners had Halo or something like that. Uh-huh, yeah, that, that was it. <laughs> but yeah, now. Once again, we kind of touched on this. This wasn't necessarily a Shenmue problem. This was a Sega problem. Right. Kind of made the wrong bet going with Xbox in this case. Mm -hmm. But regardless, there was simply no way to justify continuing the Shenmue series from this point out. Mm. Shenmue was now free to disappear, never to be really talked about again. And by never talked about again, I mean (laughs) Shenmue wouldn't shut the hell up about
1: Shenmue. And by Shenmue, I
0: mean Shenmue fans.
1: (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And Alex, I was one of those people. I think we all have that Sega franchise we won't shut the hell up about. Yeah, we all do. What was yours? Probably Panzer Dragoon. Hmm. I feel like choice. there's another one. I mean, it, it, in my, my heart, always has room for things like Ristar and Vector Man and Gunstar Heroes. Yeah, yeah. But I think... Oh, no, sorry. Skies of Arcadia is the most personal one for me. Oh, Panzer yeah, yeah. Dragoon is second place.
0: Speaking of series, they tried really hard with and then just it would fail to sell even though they're great games. Yeah, yep, Skies yep. of Arcadia needs a Oof. sequel that nobody will buy. Amazing.
1: One of the best JRPGs ever made. It is fucking My god. would not sell. Just
0: a game that is top Okay, we're going on the Skies of Arcadia tangent. Yeah, we
1: the hell, yeah, we are.
0: Like that is a game that from start to finish is perfectly comfortable what it is. is. Mhm practically has no flaws other than the fact that the encounter rate is way too high yes and as a story that's just like straight up like listen we're about sky pirates occasionally yeah. there's tragedy but guess what we're gonna go on fun adventures and we're gonna save the world yeah we're do, bright do and colorful wanna,
1: do you want to be a sky pirate and go on every pirate adventure you'd want to go on as a sky pirate because that's what we're gonna do in this game
0: absolutely want to do that and yes you will you're gonna fight giant weird moon monsters
1: yeah you're gonna uh, break into a high security prison and stage a breakout. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to escape on a top quality battleship and just keep it. Yep. And, and go find an island and make it your home base.
0: And then go around to every town and recruit random people to be a part of your crew. Yeah. It's like they looked at like Fantasy Star and Suikoden, and were like, can we just combine these? And the answer was yeah. yes, you
1: absolutely yeah, you can. can. Holy and, shit. Exactly. Ha-
0: Hey, man.
1: The game's great. And hey, you know that problem that Chrono Cross has where you're like, wow, there's 30 freaking party members and most of them are underdeveloped. Mm -hmm. This game doesn't have that problem because there's six party members Mm -hmm. and the rest of them are just background characters with a single extremely charming trait. Yep. And that's all they need to be. That's
0: all they need to be. And they're great. Oh no, this game didn't sell on the Dreamcast. Well, let's release an expanded version that looks even better and yeah. cuts out half the random battles for the GameCube. But, oh man, that game... It's so good! It's, it's so, so good!
1: good. Oh, I feel sorry for Sega. There's, being being a Sega fan is tragedy.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things that I understand why Sega fans are so vocal. Like, I, yeah. I get it, they're annoying, but boy, this all you have to do is have a dreamcast for two years see all mm-hmm. those great games and just see how nobody buys and be like you people are crazy yep yeah and so yeah once again i was one of those crazies with this with shenmue shenmue mm-hmm. was my skies of arcadia as was skies of arcadia that's fair and i loved it with all my heart and i wanted to see sega and yu suzuki give it the proper finish it deserved Sites like Shenmue Dojo would show up and were properly maintained and updated regularly with any mild morsel or tidbit that was related to Shenbu. Like, literally, they would just post updates of, like, we just unearthed this concept art from this random magazine. That's our big update this month. <laughs> Look at this. Speculate on it. What could it possibly mean? The answer is nothing. But
1: whatever, nothing. man, I got it. Yeah.
0: Now, this would lead to, like, some really fun things where they would, like, translate, like, random, like, Yu Suzuki interviews that he would give on, like, entirely different subjects, like his Ferrari, whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> or, like, talk about vague, like, sh- like uh, earnings reports from Sega talking about Shenmue. Usually, them saying, no, we're not making another Shenmue. <laughs> This constant fervor is what's going to lead to so many gaming journalists and video game execs getting annoyed at fans for asking them if there are new plans for Shenmue, Mm -hmm. which they would reply once again, no, no, it's not. There are no plans for Shenmue. There will never be plans for a Shenmue. At one point, it's going to be the most requested game for both PlayStation and Xbox platforms. (sighs) While I think it would be dumb to say that everyone wanted a new Shenmue game, there was definitely a very vocal minority who wanted a new Shenmue game. Now, it seems like it's an awful lot of energy being put forward by fans of an admittedly ambitious but ultimately unsuccessful series, uh, one that seems like it should be impossible to maintain for 17 years between Shenmue's 2 and 3, right? Like, uh-huh. how do you maintain that enthusiasm? And upon listening to a bunch of uh, podcasts from Shenmue Dojo, the answer was, actually got really tough after a while.
1: hmm like, Yeah. Oh,
0: They seem to all stick together just out of this shared need. Like a weird Sega found family of like, but what if one day, what if, what if, if? and to be fair, Sega is going to constantly like throw fuel on the fire. And this first splash of diesel is going to come in 2004. The little game called Shenmue online. Alex. I think it's safe to say you haven't heard
1: of Shenmue Online, but you just sighed, so maybe you have. I I am familiar with its existence as a disappointment. (laughs) (laughs) I think is how I would phrase it.
0: Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, Shenmue Online is going to be a disappointment. It's going to be a very interesting disappointment, but a disappointment Mm -hmm. nonetheless. And if you are like me in 2004 and were a huge Shenmue fan... You were undoubtedly excited about hearing Shenmue online. Like, my online friends, who I still talk to today, Like mm-hmm. we were like, oh man, they're making a Shinbu online. Oh man, that's going to be crazy. They're going to finally finish the story. It's going to be a chance where they're going to continue it. It's going to be cool. And maybe it'll be a gateway to a proper Shenmue 3. Ah. We would all be disappointed to learn this game was actually a South Korean MMO meant for release only in East Asia.
1: Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right.
0: This is gonna be a reoccurring thing. So let's briefly talk about this game. So you would create a custom character who would belong to one of three clans led by a different character from the Shenmue series. Like one would be led by Ren, the other would be led by Shedwa, the third would be led by some person... And as you would complete tasks for them, you would see some sort of story play out and eventually meet up with the Shenmue Masters. That's what they're literally called. Such as Landi uh, and Ryo Hazuki.
1: Isn't Shenmu a tree?
0: It is a tree that also has Kung Fu Masters.
1: <laughs> Kung Fu you tree. know what? It's not even, like, inconsistent. It is not,
0: No. <laughs> Being a kung fu master is like being a tree. You need to have yeah. patience, and your skin needs to be bark. Now, it would mostly take place in Hong Kong and Macau. Uh, Yu Suzuki would very uh, excitedly tell people they could play, they could gamble in that game, and <laughs> would feature Sega arcade games and other interactable elements you would normally see in Shenmue, and would even feature some fantastical elements like the ability to shoot fireballs and whatnot. Yeah, sure. Fans did not like the part where you could shoot fireballs.
1: Yeah, I I believe that.
0: All of this would be overseen by Yu Suzuki himself, and would advance the epic story of Shedmu in at least some way. Alex, uh, would you be surprised to learn the
1: development of this game was an absolute nightmare? I would not, no. It is a Korean MMO, so I would assume by default.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that would be a very, very safe guess. You probably are also not surprised to learn that Sega is going to bring all this trouble on themselves. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Because this is early 2000s Sega. Yeah, it's what they do. Yeah, they don't make good decisions. No. So how this is going to go is that in 2005, Sega contracted JC Entertainment, a company that was known for doing various Korean MMOs that you've never heard of. Now, they did this in order to help develop the game. The problem is that Sega though didn't want to take a whole lot of risk on this. Can't blame him on that. Okay,
1: and, but then don't make an MMO. Or don't make a Shinmu game. Or really. yeah, both.
0: <laughs> I, I don't even know how this even project even comes about. Like
1: Honestly, yeah, like Shinmu's supposed to be dead and you don't have the financial stability to invest in an MMO. Even a Korean one like it's the most competitive survival of the fittest market
0: Mm -hmm. especially in korea where mmos are incredibly big and there's at this point already some incredibly successful ones like maple story and all that yeah like yeah this is um this is an idea is what i'm trying to say and it don't seem like a good one is it it seems like Yu Suzuki's still having a little bit of push, and he's the one pushing it forward. That, this is complete speculation. I have no idea why Sega made this decision. Right. But yeah, point is, they don't want to take a risk. So in order to help out with the cost, they struck a deal with JC Entertainment where they would own 50% of the properties of Shenmue Online. So like the assets and whatnot. Not the cons, well, some f- amount of the concept, though they obviously would not own the IP of Shenmue. Mm-hmm. Now, they never specify anymore what that actually means. Uh, So, once again, probably presuming assets, gameplay concepts, and likely the overall sales once the game comes out. Now, this is obviously generous. This is also going to be a huge problem when JC Entertainment pulls out of the project in late 2005. Yep, that'll do it. Uh, That'll do it. Now, Yu Suzuki, in an interview, would say that development was continuing steadily on this game after this occurred. Uh Uh-huh. But there was obviously legitimate concern about whether or not this game could even release at this point. After all, half that one company owns apparently half of this. So yeah. now it's going to turn out the answer appears to be yes. And by yes, it seems they contracted a Taiwanese based company to more or less redo the game from the ground up over the course of 2006. (laughs) Oh, boy. Like like I said, it's not Shenmue unless something, something dumb happens during development. Yeah. Now, apparently, they got pretty far in development to the point they were able to release a 14-minute video showing off various gameplay elements and the like. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of it be, has been lost to time. There's only snippets of it out there. Hmm. But after this little bit of news came out in 2007, uh, the entire year came and went without any real news of what's happening with the game. Oh, except for one bit of news. Uh, the game was quietly cancelled. Okay. They they canceled it. Okay. So hey, that's the end of Shenmue once and for all, right? No. No. (laughs) Because four years later, or more like three at this point, in 2010, a press release from Yahoo Mobage, a joint venture between the tech company Yahoo and the Japanese mobile game company D E N A. Would be, this would be published, and as kind of an afterthought, like, literally, like, near the bottom of the page, they would announce a bunch of new mobile games would be coming to their service. A Persona 3 spin-off game that you've never heard of. A sequel to the strategy game, Nobunaga's Ambition. And then something called Shenmue City. <sighs> Naturally, people went crazy about the Shenmue City part.
1: <laughs> it, this was a difficult time... To be an American or Western fan of Japanese video games. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, it was. Because we would get our hands on something like Shinmue or Metal Gear Solid or Resident Evil and be like, this is the most insane, coolest thing I've ever seen. Mm Mm-hmm. This is brilliant. I love this. It is so different than everything we make in our culture. Mm Mm-hmm. But also contains elements of our culture. So it's that like familiar but different vibe that just hits so hard. Yeah. I love this. Please give me all of it. And we wouldn't be able to grok the fact that like Japanese video game businesses just make random crap for Japanese people to idly consume. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And it's like it's every time we see the name Shinmu. On something, we're like, what is that? And the answer is, it's it's garbage. It's yep. nothing. It's... Don't worry about this. It's not for you. <laughs> yeah. And it... you won't be able to get it anyway. <laughs> yeah, because it's going to be a Japanese mobile game
0: for Japanese mobile phones. So yeah, which we do not this.
1: have. We do not.
0: SoFo technology is not going to get cool until about 2011. Yep. Yeah, it's... um. It's really, really sad. And it's also sad for another reason as well, because kind of like you said, the Japanese gaming industry at this point was in a really weird spot. Yeah. Where a lot of their older franchises had kind of died out, but they still wanted to try to like make money off of them in some way. And mobile gaming had been pretty popular in Japan for a while now, and it was just starting to explode all over the world, particularly starting in East Asia and then kind of spreading out from there. Right. Mm -hmm. And so this led to a lot of press releases of like, Hey, we got a new Breath of Fire game out. And it's like, wow, Breath of Fire? It's like, yeah, it's a Korean MMO for mobile phones. (laughs) And it's like, uh, oh no. Like, there's so much of that Uh that it's just like, oh man, there's a new Sonic game out. It's a new
1: 2D Sonic game. It's like,
0: wow, that's really cool.
1: Japanese mobile phones. like, uh, Before Crisis is still my favorite. Mm -hmm. A new Final Fantasy VII prequel starring... The Turks, everyone's favorite, morally, not even ambiguous, just outright evil hit squad. Mm Mm-hmm. Japanese phones. But we're going to tell you about it, America. Oh, yeah. Please get excited. Get
0: excited about this, man. This thing you'll never, ever be able to play and also is so poorly emulated nowadays that good luck getting a copy on it. Like before Crisis, the one thing you think you'd be able to find like an emulated copy somewhere out there.
1: Nope, yeah, fans
0: nope. are remaking that in RPG Maker as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's sad, although to be fair, a lot of these games are going to be absolutely terrible, and Shenmue yeah. City is going to be no exception. Yeah. So, Shenmue City is a mobile multiplayer online game for Japanese smartphones, and once again, by smartphones, I mean phones that came out before the iPhone changed everything, so more like glorified, although super cool, flip phones. It is a browser-based game where you play as a disciple of the Hazuki Dojo. Hey, you all have got another student. Great. <laughs> and you perform tasks and get into fights fight with thugs, collecting information and generally doing what you can to help out Ryo and Yokosuka. Basically, this game takes place during Shenmue 1. Uh-huh. So I, I guess you just run up to Ryo while he's walking around the streets and be like, I, I learned about sailors and gang members. And he's just like, you, who are you? <laughs> So it's this is going to be a joint project between two many companies. Sega, Yahoo Japan, DNA, WiseNet, who we're going to be talking about in a bit. Uh-huh. And Sunsoft, of all people. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Legendary NES developer, Sunsoft. And then later, legendary developer of some very bad games, Sunsoft. Mm-hmm. They're all going to put this together. And there's very little information or footage about what you're going to actually do in this game because while this game is going to be released, just like we kind of talked about before Crisis, there's not a real good way to emulate this thing or actually get at it, especially because it was meant to be online. Now, Alex, if this sounds an awful lot like Shenbu Online, the thing we just talked about, like uh-huh. almost like they copied a lot of the concepts from that and just put it in this game, yeah. your instincts are spot on because that's exactly what they did. So wow to the point of literally reusing concept art and models made for that game. Oh, except somehow even cheaper, because by models, I mean they took pictures of the models and just inserted them into the game as still images.
1: Okay. Wow. I can't believe Sega didn't learn their lesson.
0: No. Alex, Shamu City is depressing. And in the podcast episode I listened to from Shamu Dojo, which is available on YouTube and was literally released last month, They also seemed equally depressed about this. Uh, Mm. And that's probably because in 2010, this was probably the most depressing time to be a Shenmue fan. Like, this was... Yeah. This was the nadir of everything, right? Yeah. It's further depressing because Yu Suzuki is on the record, more or less saying that while he doesn't think this is going to appeal to old fans, he was really hoping this game would bring in a new audience to Shenmue. And if it was successful, maybe he would convince Sega to make a Shenmue 3. He also really hoped people would play it like there's multiple interviews like mm-hmm. i hope people play this
1: and i'm like buddy oh you can't you can't mm-hmm. never fall for the test game
0: never fall for the test game it does it rarely works out man it rarely works out yeah that compilation that they're gonna release of all the old games you think if you buy that they're gonna make a new
1: what they're not they're not where's our I'm- new
0: castlevania it ain't coming
1: no, enjoy your Dead Cells DLC, that's what you're gonna get.
0: Exactly, it's, that's it, man, that's it.
1: I'm I'm legitimately excited for Exoprimal. They're not gonna make a new Dino Crisis if it does well.
0: Absolutely not. Their <laughs> most recent Mega Man game was
1: their most successful one ever. It sold over two million copies. They ain't making another one. No, they're re-releasing Battle Network. Yeah, which, I mean... You're welcome. Rad.
0: It's gonna have online play. That's a lot more work than I expected, but yeah, you ain't gonna get any more. Yeah, yeah. Never fall for that. Don't be like you, Suzuki. Don't fall for (laughs) the honeypot trap that this is. Yeah. And to be fair, I guess nobody did because nobody played this game. Yeah, no. And uh, I I guess, like, to describe it once again, like, you literally would recruit party members, and it was, like, kind of, like, literally like an RPG. It Mm -hmm. It was weird. So... Here's the thing, though, Alex. It mm-hmm. is Shenmue, so they still are going to try way too hard about this. Right, of course. They're going to shut it down about six months after it launched. And then relaunch the game with improved graphics. And announce that they're going to make <sighs> a proper smartphone version for iPhones coming later. Uh-huh. They were really trying with this. It's, it's really sad. It, mm-hmm. Especially because still nobody played it. And it was shut down in 2011. And Yu Suzuki would leave Sega shortly afterwards. Shenbu seemed to be thoroughly dead at this point. So I, I guess we got to kind of talk about what exactly Yu Suzuki is going to be up to now and what he's been doing up to since Shenbu 2. Yeah. Backing up a little bit, going back to that, after the release of Shenmue 2, you'd probably expect him to fade into the background of Sega, like uh, other prominent Sega personalities at the time, such as Yuji Naka mm. and whatnot. But that wasn't the case, at least at first. After Shenmue failed to... He went back to his roots and started making arcade games, either being a producer or director on various projects, such as OutRun 2, mm-hmm. Virtua Cop 3. Or probably a oh, great his, game. It is a great game, yeah. Virtua Cop 3 is so good. It is so good. Or probably his biggest success post-Shenmue, Virtua Fighter 4 in 2001.
1: Mm. I love the game. Great game. I own it. I have played it for like 20 minutes. Mm. And I went, I do not understand how one goes about playing this game. Yeah, It is, um... <laughs> it's a learning wall. It doesn't respect your time, I will admit that much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> However, past 2005, his favorite Sega seemed to finally fade. He was replaced as the head of AM2 in 2008. And while Yu Suzuki did have his own development team called Digital Rex, I go back and forth on whether or not that's a great or a bad name,
1: it's kind of both, yeah.
0: Kind of is both. Uh, his attempts to make a new arcade game for Sega were ambitiously bad. hmm Like, he made, like, a fighting game, Alex. He made a fighting game, like, in 2005 with his team uh, uh-huh. that used a large touchscreen that oh, basically you no. had to do rapid moves on it to do, like, fighting game moves. It was, like, kind of like, described as, like, Dragon Ball Z. Uh-huh. Uh, it was better known for just ruining people's hands because it turns yeah. out you get uh-huh. a lot of friction burn doing that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it would not be released, but it would cost a lot of money to make. Great. <laughs> yeah, it, it just seemed like by this point he'd finally lost his touch, right? hmm. Uh, Suzuki seemed to see the writing on the wall, and in 2008, he formed an independent company while still at Sega, WiseNet. As described on their About Us section of their website, WiseNet is characterized by its agile development capability owing to their in their words, our, small team of elite professionals. We quickly give shape to ideas, experiment, and condense the reiteration process to refine planning. Striking a balance between conceptualization and testing, our development focus is to turn thoughts into
1: actions, creating the games of tomorrow, end quote. Boy, this sounds a whole lot like another company I could name. Mmm, could it now? (laughs)
0: In their 15 years of existence, they've made two games, Alex. Their most uh-huh. recent one came out literally last year. <laughs> uh, Air Twister, I think it's called. It's a space uh-huh. carrier send-up. Okay. So uh, uh- I'm not sure how agile they are. <laughs> <laughs> Regardless, when Suzuki left Sega in 2011, he immediately transitioned more or less full-time into making WiseNet the foremost independent Japanese developer. And by that, I mean he traveled to various shows and conferences, such as the Game Developers Conference or the Monaco Anime Game Show. I, I don't know what that is, but it's in Monaco, so I'm sure it's a good time. Yeah. To basically talk about how cool Shenbu was and how he would be open to, fi- open to finishing the series if Sega would let him. It should be also noted that he is, and I believe still is, a consultant for Sega to, to this day huh. and during this time. Uh-huh. Now, if you listened to this podcast before, you might remember that this is a trend of legendary developers who left their original company. But would be totally still down to make their old games. You know, if you wanted to, Mm -hmm. wanted to let me do that, you would also know that this usually doesn't go all that hot. Usually not. However, there was somehow a bit of hope that this would actually happen. Once again, Shenmue fans are kind of crazy. And so despite the fact that there hadn't been a proper Shenmue game in about uh, 10 years at this point, uh, they simply would not shut up about Shenmue. And Mm -hmm. they kept hammering companies such as Sony and Microsoft to do something, anything to get a Shenmue title on their respective console. This isn't me pulling this out of thin air, by the way. In March of 2014, Phil Spencer, then the newly appointed head of Xbox at Microsoft, said the number one game requested was Shenmue calling the request his team was constantly getting from the big Shenmue contingency he then immediately said we're not making a new Shenmue game <laughs> it's really funny because like the article introducing him like literally has multiple paragraphs dedicated to people being like are you making a new Shenmue and him being like no <laughs> glad you're excited but I hope you get what you want one day <laughs> To be fair, he may be the right person to ask, because he's the person responsible for bringing Fantasy Star online
1: to, to like, North right.
0: America, so he's... Right. He, he he can make it happen when he wants to.
1: Right. He has his finger on the pulse, but his finger was on Jinmu's pulse, and he was like, nah, that there's no pulse here, man. Yeah, the thing is
0: dead, man. <laughs> Rick Mortis has set in. Yup. So yeah, while there's no plans for Shenmue, it still underscored that there was a vocal minority who wanted this game. And theoretically, if someone were to put up the money to make this game, it could make for a splashy headline at the very least. And Alex, this is where we get to the dumbest part of our story. Yeah. Probably the one that people are most familiar Mm -hmm. with, too. Mm-hmm. Enter Sony.
1: Boy, just you want to talk about the champions of throwing money at dumb ideas. Sony's pretty high up there. Although to be fair is we're going to learn
0: maybe they didn't throw a whole lot of money at this one. Also, yeah. But regardless, they see this demand and he said, yeah, we want a piece of that. Mm -hmm. And so at the 24 edition of the Games Developer Conference, Sony approached Yu Suzuki, not the other way around. They sought him out and they're Mm. like, hey, uh, what if Shinbu 3 was a console exclusive game for the PlayStation 4? And uh, if you could get funding for this, we'd be happy to help you market and publish it. And Yu Suzuki was like, I'm going to make this happen. And so, one year later, on June 14th, 2015, Yu Suzuki tweeted a photo of a forklift. Fans went crazy. God. (laughs) And the very next day, at Sony's E3 press conference, in a honestly kind of legendary show that either reannounced or announced such games like The Last Guardian and the Final Fantasy VII Remake. And I believe
1: No Man's Sky debuted at this show as well. That probably, that might be, I think it debuted in uh, one of the video game awards like oh. a few months prior to that. But, but it was then like the game was gameplay, like, yeah. Yeah, this was like the gameplay debut.
0: Yeah, I, I remember it was after this that people were
1: like, No Man's Sky could be the greatest game ever made. Right, and so this is very much the year of Sony overhyping things they really shouldn't.
0: Mm-hmm,
1: yep. And Where they're... they're like, No Man's Sky's gonna blow your minds, and it's like an indie game made by 40 people. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> or like... Made for the PC, and then they're forcing them to shove it onto the PS4.
0: Mm-hmm. Or announcing the Final Fantasy VII Remake and be like, yeah, man, get ready, we're finally doing it.
1: Five brought to six to years by, later. <laughs> brought to you by Cyber Connect. It's going to go great. It's going to go great. <laughs> oh. But then, yeah, I think this is probably the most offensive one to me where Sony, I believe, trots Yu Suzuki out on stage oh, yes. and is like, Good news, all you Shinmu fans. We're happy to announce we are giving you the chance to fund the game. That's right. Yep. Yu Suzuki shows up on
0: stage to announce Shenmue 3, the Kickstarter Kickstarter. (laughs) for the PlayStation 4. (laughs) It was so hilarious. Like, it was hilarious seeing him come up there and be like, we got a Kickstarter. It's just like, like, what? Okay. This could have been a tweet. This could have been. That's usually how this goes. It's usually like a tweet, like some sort of ARG and then it's like, here's our Kickstarter for Bloodstained or whatever, or Mighty Number no. 9. Instead, you Suzuki, master of going all out. It's just like, nah, man, I want to be on stage at E3 at Sony's conference. I want to see people get up, hold their hands in their head, and be like, they're finally doing it, man. And then be like, I got a Kickstarter. <laughs> here's my URL that includes the word Save Shenmue. <laughs> only you can save shenmue only you it is thanks so, sony it is so in line with shenmue this grandiose uh, way to announce something that isn't complete
1: yep <laughs> yeah honestly yeah oh it's amazing
0: now we have talked about kickstarter multiple times on this podcast but as a reminder it's a cloud funding platform where Users can contribute to a project, basically put money towards it, that if it meets its goal, it will then be distributed to said project for them to use and try to make said product. They don't have to release it, and it doesn't have to be good. Yep. Now, around this time, it was the perfect platform for old creatives to go and pitch their spiritual successor to whatever franchise they were famous for, once again... See uh, Koji Igarashi for Bloodstained making his Castlevania send up or mm-hmm. um, Kenji Inufune, you know, making Mighty Number no. 9. You know, Stuff like that. Uh, it was either famous for that or for random fans to go on and try to kickstart new games in a franchise they totally don't own. Mm-hmm. Such as the idiots who tried to kickstart Battletoads. <laughs> <laughs> and we're, we're offended to learn that they apparently can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Yu Suzuki, though, being the legend he is, somehow managed to do both. Because... <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> Does he see, Alex? Genmoo 3 is going to be made in co- collaboration with Wisenet as the developer, and Deep Silver and Sony being co-publishers. And he may notice a certain someone is missing.
1: Yeah? Yeah?
0: <laughs> yes, that's right. Sega's you not You the involved. license
1: holder? <laughs> yeah, it's just those people. <laughs> yeah, the
0: people who the license... <laughs> this should be a huge problem, huh? It should be. <laughs> yeah, so let's let's talk about how what like Sega exactly thought about all this, mm-hmm. and what they thought about it is that they were shockingly chill about this. <laughs> yeah, apparently, Yu Suzuki approached them and said, "Hey, if I can get some outside funding for this, can I just make a new Shenmue?" And they're like, "Yeah,
1: sure." <laughs> I mean, okay, let's be really like frank. They're not doing anything with the license? Oh, yeah. Absolutely nothing. And if this goes well, then they could do something with the license. They could, yes. So, frankly, it's offloading PR for a dead license onto someone else's plate.
0: It is. But, like, the thing that shocks me about this is just how far they go with this. Mm -hmm. Because, you see, I I looked into, like, what the deal was between these two. Uh Uh-huh. And it seems like the deal was literally just, like, a handshake agreement of, like, yeah, no, make your Shenmue, man. We don't care. <laughs> no mention of royalties or paying for the license or anything right. like that. Just whatever, dude. You keep all the money. We don't care. We have the rights to make our own Shenmue 3 if we want to in the future. but um, Right. And this doesn't mean you can make a Shenmue 4, but you want to do this? Who cares? So, like, yeah, it's just... It makes total sense from a PR perspective to do this, but from like a corporate perspective, you figure they'd want a piece of that pie.
1: And you, you would think, but... But no. So,
0: yeah. It's one of those things, I think, with Yu Suzuki still having a foot mm-hmm. in the door of Sega and whatnot, and still right. probably having a few people in there being like, man, it's Yu Suzuki. It
1: right. probably like, yeah. went
0: a long way, right? It's not like... Yeah. um. um It's not like Kenji Inafune coming back to Capcom being like, hey, I'll still make Mega Man games for you. And they're like, no, you need to leave. Yeah. Literally, do not set foot on our property. We will arrest you. Right.
1: I mean, to be fair, some of Yu Suzuki's later games weren't that, you know, incredible. But he also didn't, like, send the company on a death spot. Well, some (laughs) argue that he would, but... (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah. We've made the argument that Shenmue probably didn't cause all that, but it did not right. help. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's fair. He didn't burn bridges. Right. And Sega didn't burn bridges with him, so it, it makes sense why this worked out. Yeah. Now, why is Couldn't include stuff like Sega arcade games or Sega branded capsule toys like the original two games. Sure. So, and I suspect they weren't allowed to like reuse any proprietary code from like the original Shenmue because I'm getting a lot of things about how Shenmue controls and, like, operates is going to be quite a bit different. hmm But this is still, once again, is just ridiculously generous from a corporation that, at least on its face, had nothing to really gain from it. Right. So the same day Shen th- Shenmue 3 was announced, the Kickstarter went live with a goal of $2 million. And it met its goal in 8 hours and 43 minutes. Yep. Y- you better believe somebody was keeping track of that and made sure to note that it took 8 hours and 43 minutes. Yep, that makes sense. People clearly wanted a new Shenmue, and by the time the 30-day period on Kickstarter was over, it raised $6.3 million. Now, it didn't meet all the stretch goals, of which it had 29 because of course it did.
1: Of course it did, yeah.
0: Uh, It's like, yeah, if you give us uh, $12 million, we'll put in a new village. (laughs) It's like, okay, cool. Uh, You you should concentrate on just making the game you want to make, man. You really should. But that still is well above what it was shooting for, and at the time was the most ever raised for a video game on the platform. Combined with other crowdfunding projects, WiseNet would ultimately have about $7.1 million to make their ultimate game. Now, if you remember, the original Shenmue cost somewhere around 40 to $70 million, depending on who right. you ask. Mm-hmm. And video games have only gotten more expensive since then.
1: Right. Seven yeah, million... The, the, oh, the, this was never going to fund Shenmue 3.
0: No, it's not, because $7 million or so is just not going to do it, and to be fair, that's not all they're going to have. After partnering with Deep Silver, uh, publishers of usually just the weirdest stuff, mm-hmm. the budget would ultimately end up having roughly about $20 million. It's still a far cry from what Yu Suzuki used to have, but enough right. to make something weird. And this man is going to make something weird. <laughs> and so development began on Shenmue 3. So, Alex, it's 2015. It's been 14 years since Shenmue 2 was first released in Japan. And -hmm. it's clear that Yu Suzuki has learned at least some lessons when it comes to big-budget game development, right? Right? How about I let this quote from Ryan Payton, who worked with Yu Suzuki on Shenmue 3's Kickstarter, uh, to Mm -hmm. dash any hopes about that. Yay. Quote, because I'm a fan, I remember reading about the immense budget of Shenmue and how that might have led to the franchise's long-standing hibernation," says, Pax, uh, says Peyton. and I was really worried about how Yu Suzuki was going to be managing the budget of Shenmue 3. And maybe unfairly, he has done an incredible job building a really big game with a relatively small budget. But again, Yu Suzuki is a visionary, and he's very stubborn. He does not want to compromise. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yuzuzuki apparently agrees to an extent as he'll go on to say In the previous Shenmue games I had a bigger team and because those team members kept bringing new ideas to the game I had to continually change or correct things There were many redos (laughs) We were all doing things again and again and again For Shenmue 3 I'm more involved directly in the details and all the elements of the game so there is much less to redo As a result, the effectiveness of development is much higher than the originals, end quote. Now, I want to say that Yu Suzuki is not a native English speaker, so these are translated quotes. Right. Or at least the second quote is translated from from Yu Mm -hmm. Suzuki. I would want to give to the benefit of the doubt that there's some parts of the translation that just maybe didn't cross over. (laughs) Because boy, that quote does not sound good.
1: (laughs) No, the the translation of... People keep ha- kept having their own ideas, and I needed to keep squashing those.
0: Yeah, he's <laughs> like, mm. yeah, go like going back to the whole fruit stand thing from Shenmue, like uh-huh. of like, what if we just made it a simple two D texture? He's like, no, render the fruits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, you didn't, you didn't learn about this. Oh no, yeah. oh no, yeah. Alex, <laughs> a lot of not only what I just said. But this next section is going to come from an article on GameInformer.com titled Mm. Inside the Bizarre Development of Shenmue 3 by Ben Reeves. And oh, my God, is it a read? I'm going to definitely link to this in the show notes. Uh, Like he talks about like at one point he and Yu Suzuki gets stuck in traffic. This is kind of aside from Shenmue 3. I just want to I want to mention this because it's funny. Uh They just start like watching episodes of Fuller House on Yu Suzuki's phone while they're stuck (laughs) in like a two hour traffic jam wow there's like he, like he like makes a joke that like um hey yeah this is you know shen shenmu is just heavily based upon like full house like he's mm-hmm. not serious about it but it's like it's kind of one of those things where it's like i almost could believe that yeah yeah almost like during the car ride he also talks about how when he was developing Shenmue, he would watch one movie every day for inspiration and did that over a two-year period which means this man watched over 750 movies uh-huh <laughs> like it's a really great read like, it's just insane quotes from yu suzuki constantly <laughs> <laughs> so basically though the development of this game is exactly what you'd expect from a yu suzuki helmed project at this point a needless amount of detail on the things that otherwise shouldn't matter and a level of control that other directors would probably delegate alex i think uh two episodes ago you mentioned that you think yu suzuki doesn't really play video games
1: that That is the impression I've gotten specifically from the things I've read about Shenmue 3's development. Oh, okay. Then you probably are familiar with this next quote about... Yeah, probably I am, yeah.
0: Yeah, that seems to confirm this fact. <laughs> quote, In the real world, if you see some door and you want to open it, you open it. In the real world, you can touch and move everything. Because I don't play other games, I <laughs> think it's there very it is, natural yeah. to interact with everything. The keyword I often use is reality. Shimu isn't necessarily true to reality, but it is a reality you could trust as if almost real. That is what I consider entertainment. Somewhere between true and false is a reality that we're trying to hit. People may think I'm trying to create something real, but it's not truly real. It's a new reality that I'm creating. End quote. (laughs) (laughs) What the hell does that mean, (laughs) Yusuzuki? also says, end quote for Shenmue 3, I wanted to create images so strong that you could smell the colors in the countryside. <laughs> end quote.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, it's so good, man.
1: It's, it's so, it's really good. so good. And like, the thing is, I get it and I respect it. I, I do too. respect the vision.
0: Like, I'm laughing at this, like, really, really hard, but like, I love every minute. This is what I want him to do. This is exactly what I want him to do. Yes. Because, like, he is definitely trying to do something weird here, and I can appreciate that. But it also really does speak to, like, his style, what he's going for, like, everything from the writing to the development to, like, what he expects, the direction of the game. Because, yeah, he's just like, you should be able to open doors. Just if you see a door, you should be able to go into it. You see a plant, you should be able to pick it. It's, like, literally, like, the... End all of like Skyrim with a million mods equipped is like his ultimate, his ultimate future of video games. Yeah. Except he's not going to have the money to do anywhere close to that.
1: It it is extremely inspired and just as impractical. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And it has only become more impractical as time has gone on.
0: Yeah. Crazy enough, I would say it's become both more. More and less impractical because you now have a lot Mm. of like middleware engines that can help you with all that. Right. But at the same time, you also
1: don't have the team or the budget to do all that. Right. And the target is higher. It is. Like the standards have grown so much since the Dreamcast.
0: It has. And I I cut this out from the podcast, but like when Shenmue 2 came out for the Xbox, people slagged it for not being a very good looking game. Mm. like compared to other games on the xbox which is kind of crazy when you remember it was a graphical showcase for the dreamcast like one of the most impressive looking games ever right people are like yeah man wow they really lazily just ported all these graphics over and it's like oh wow first off i would not describe anything about shenmue was lazy and two Mm -hmm. yeah standards just rapidly change and yeah we're definitely at this point with shenmue 3 in development
1: people forget because it was so powerful and because it came out so late, the Dreamcast was a 64-bit system. Mm-hmm, yeah. It was technically a fifth-generation system. It, it was not a contemporary of the PS2 and the Xbox.
0: Yeah, no, it saddled the weird in-between. Yeah. Like, it could almost get to PlayStation 2, like, Fidelity, but it couldn't quite. And the PlayStation 2 was the weakest of that generation. Yep. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, it... um. It really really shows a lot about Yu Suzuki what he's going for, but probably my favorite quote uh, really establishes what Yu Suzuki's directorial style is, and this comes from directly from the final passage from the article I've been quoting from. Quote, Near the end of our trip, after we trudge through Japan's Chinatown, Suzuki takes us to one of his favorite restaurants. We point to a picture of delicious-looking Goiza, but Suzuki weighs us off and takes control of the menu. He's going to order for us. After all, Yu Suzuki is a man who knows what he wants. We don't eat Goizo that night, but the meal is incredible. End quote. Mm-hmm. Yu Suzuki is a man who knows what he wants. He doesn't yep. really seem to care what others might want, though. Right. And I don't mean that in a mean way, by the way. It's just right. Shenmue 3 is absolutely going to be in this mold. hmm Shenmue 3 is going to release on November 19th, 2019. Uh, there is going to be a delay. It was initially going to be out in, like, I think, 2017 or 2018. But then, um, graphically, it just wasn't coming together. Like, they released some like images and some videos of it. And people went, man, they move stiff. And they went, we're sorry, we'll fix it. <laughs> um, and so, because of that, end up getting delayed in 2019. They, it still looks very stiff. Yeah, they did not fix it very much. They did not. And reception of the game was overall mixed. It has a Metacritic of 67 on the PlayStation 4. I believe a 69 on the PC. And even flattering reviews are strangely critical. Such <laughs> as this review from Eurogamer that states, quote, Archaic and arcane, completely ignorant of modern trends in open world gaming, or indeed trends of the last 20 years. It looks and plays like a Dreamcast game that's as off-kilter, maddening, magical, and majestic as the original Shenmue games. Both all-time classics. I think there's good reason to rejoice in that, end quote. And I think that's probably the best point to leave this at. Mm-hmm. Shenmue 3, from what I understand, is actually going to do decently well for WiseNet. It's not going to be an overwhelming success. It's not going to be necessarily a failure either. Right. Essentially, money is going to be made back. But perhaps not necessarily in a way to mean that a Shenmue 4 is forthcoming. Especially right. when you realize it's been four years. <laughs> And we have not heard anything other than people on Shenmue Dojo being like, is this news about Shenmue 4? <laughs> and Yu Suzuki being like, I would like to make a Shenmue 4. But in the meantime, Alex, that's going to be it for us with this. And next time, we're going to be talking about the plot of Shenmue 3. A game where a lot happens, and yet somehow nothing
1: happens at all. Mm-hmm. Alex, how you feeling? I feel I, I feel pretty... I don't know, man. This is such a weird series.
0: It really,
1: really is. It just, it tries hard, man.
0: It tries very, very hard. It tries so
1: hard. It is like if Monolith had never given up on Xenosaga. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of like that. It's like they did, and now they have Xenoblade, and it's doing great for them. Mm Mm-hmm. But what if we were still waiting on Xenosaga Volume 5?
0: Yeah. What if we still were waiting for the additional adventures of Cosmos? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it would be exactly like what we have here. There'd probably be a Kickstarter. There'd probably be people being like, man, they're finally doing it. And it probably would come out and look like really stiff and weird instead of what we got now, which is... Games that look shockingly good on the Switch. Amazingly
1: good for the Switch. Just mm. like, how are you doing this? This makes zero sense.
0: Yeah, it. that's exactly what it would be. And But no, that didn't happen. Instead, our, our future is Shenmue. Is basically taking up that torch of just being like this weird franchise. It just won't ever quite go away. And every time it does come back, it's usually... Such a mess. Yeah. There's no game in this series that isn't a mess. There's no, like, canceled game in this series that isn't a mess. Mm-hmm. Like, every single time they try, it is always just the most tortured thing in the world. Which, to be fair, a lot of video game development is like that. We just never hear about it. Right, yeah. But because we have, once again, the people like Shimbu Dojo, just fans in general, we hear about all of this nonsense. And, you know, I love it for it.
1: Yeah. I... As someone who has no personal stakes in Shenmue, I am of the opinion that it is probably time to let it go.
0: Yeah, it
1: person who tried playing Shenmue 3 again. Yeah. And the I say this again as a Pandra Dragoon fan because it is one thing to constantly hold out hope that it will come back. Mm -hmm. When it comes back and is bad see crimson dragon mm-hmm. that's the moment you go okay we're done yep Yep. the show's over
0: hack it all up they try to make another golden axe on like the 360 or whatever it was it was bad yep we gotta we gotta move on from here just let them continue trying to make sonic games they occasionally get them right. and just let them publish 50 million spin-offs of persona 5 we'll just yep. let them do that I'm sorry, we're not getting another Shinobi. That play, we're, oh no! That PlayStation Two one was really cool, but nah. Yeah, it's Shenmue. Unfortunately, it's it needs to go. It either needs to have one last game that blows it all out, that Yu Suzuki gets all the money in the world to make, or it just needs yeah. to just
1: never happen. Eh. It, it it is so weird looking at the way Sony handled that. Oh yeah, and being like. Hey, do you want to fund your own game and then we'll publish it?
0: Mm-hmm. And by publish, I mean
1: co-publish? <laughs> Versus how they handled Kojima, where they were like, hey, do you want unlimited access to our in-house technology and basically as much money as you want?
0: You know, th- to be fair, <laughs> that was probably the right bet.
1: Yeah, That yeah. actually
0: worked for them. <laughs>
1: No, it it absolutely worked for Death Stranding, but it's it's it is almost like they learned from Shinmu that they have to actually invest in this.
0: Yeah. If I
1: believed Sony capable of learning anything.
0: I, I wonder if it's that or I wonder if it's more that they just knew that used like like to be fair to Kojima, at that point mm-hmm. he did have a lot of experience like managing big budgets. Right. He also had a lot of experience going way over budget.
1: Oh, yeah. He he had a, an arguable company death on his track record, but, you know.
0: Yeah, he does. He does. But he at least like, prove he could do it. Whereas, like, yeah. Yu Suzuki, I don't know how you could look, look at Yu Suzuki and be like, do we give this... I don't know if we can give this man money.
1: He, he is not what I would call a safe bet. No.
0: You give Yu Suzuki like $20 million and the man's gonna go buy, like, Twenty pairs of nunchucks, and he's like, "I need to learn how. I need to learn how to use these because we're to we're gonna have a section where you have to use nunchucks."
1: Mm-hmm. And, and, and you're like, "Is that a core part of the game?" No, nah, it's gonna be a mini game. Oh, and it's like, "Oh,
0: you, <laughs> no, buddy." <laughs> and it's like he's not trying to grift you. He's just really no, thinks that not. needs to be in there.
1: Yeah, he's he's just legitimately fascinated, and that's. I think the most interesting thing about the way he does it is a lot of avant-garde game designers, when they're gripped by, like, a fascination with something, they will make the game around that.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Like, they will dedicate themselves to understanding that and then make the entire game sort of around that. Yu Suzuki has that same level of fascination and passion and dedication, but it is just a part of what he wants to make the game about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Cause yeah, he wants he wants to make a really cool Chinese kung fu movie, but then he also wants to have duck races. <laughs> and he wants you to be able to raise your own duck. And then the duck will practice kung fu with you. Yeah. This actually happens in Shenmue 2. The duck there, doesn't an- duck doesn't come back in Shenmue three as well, which is bullshit. Anyways. It is. <laughs> uh yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to learn a little bit more about all the dumb things you could do in Shenmue 3. But in the meantime, if you want to learn about the other dumb things we talk about in Shenmue or other video game series, you can go to ftp.podme.com or search for Falling Through Plotholes on your podcast service of choice. Leave us a like, review, and subscribe and all that other good stuff. We do really like to hear about how we're doing. But with that, Alex, I appreciate you doing this as always. Of course. And take care, everybody. Take care.